You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And bringing you today's episode is Himalaya. You can get Locked on Bucks on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bucks. We're also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Locked On. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And Frank, that did not go well. Game one, Bucks lose 112 to 90 to the Boston Celtics. And I mean, I'm trying to think if I won't say everything that could have gone wrong went wrong because like Al Horford didn't bomb a bunch of threes, but he had a pretty good night in the pick and pop. Kyrie Irving had a pretty good night and Giannis played the, uh, not gonna say the worst playoff game of his career, but one of the worst playoff games of his career. And the bucks just got Molly Womped. Yeah. I mean, is, is this a worse game than the one where he body checked Dunleavy into the first row and got ejected? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if his. If, I don't, we'd have to check what his uh, plus minus was in that game. Um, yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, you know, I, yeah, you you couldn't really have drawn up sort of a, a more of a you know nightmare first game and losing by twenty two at home. Um, you know, certainly all the folks who haven't watched the Bucks and you know national people who kind of looked at them like, eh, what, what's going on, Bucks? These guys really that good? And, you know, thinking the Bucks are like frauds or whatever. And this is pretty much like the best possible ammunition you can give those people because, um, yeah. you know, it, it, I mean, to, to come out with a performance like this, I mean, um, it was a certainly a subpar defensive effort. They give up a 112 offensive rating to the Celtics, defensive rating for the Bucs. Um, but even the Bucs have won plenty of games in which they gave up 112 points per 100. Um they have not won games where they score 90 points per 100. Uh, we look at just the history of this season. Um, I'll give you two guesses. Name me the two games where they uh, where they tallied a offensive rating of less than 90. Can you can you guess off the top of your head uh, which which of those two which which two games happened where they where they didn't manage even 90 points per 100? Uh, one of them has to be Miami. Yep, the back to back in one. Miami. And then, oh man, I don't even know oh, if actually, I know the Miami's other. Miami's the second worst. The worst 
The worst was uh, was even worse than the Miami. The Miami game was eighty seven points per one hundred. The the worst. Oh, that game, Orlando game. Yep. Yep. No. No. Giannis. Uh, they they lose. They lost that game one hundred three to eighty three. So this is by. I mean, this is. Uh, by raw points, their biggest blowout loss uh, at home of the season. I'm trying to think. Did they even they lose any games by more than that? Period. This year, I don't. I don't even know if they did lose a game by more than uh, 20, 22 points this season. I mean, this is a team that has was pretty blowout proof all season long, especially at home. Um, I don't think they had lost with Giannis in the lineup since I want to say, um, yeah, Philly uh, on three seventeen. That was that home game where Giannis scored fifty two. Lost that by five. So, um, you know, over a month since they last lost the game with Giannis in the lineup. And, um, yeah, I mean, the the offense was terrible and, you know, really started with Giannis, who, I mean, one of the strangest games you can imagine, Giannis goes three out of five from three, four out of 16 on twos. He had four dunks and was 0 for 12 on shots that were two-pointers that were not dunks. I mean, I don't... You know, and obviously we'll talk about, you know, Horford. I think Horford's contributions were much bigger on the defensive end than they were on the offensive end. He was, you know, good offensively, but, you know, 20 points on 17 shooting possessions, like about a 59% true shooting percentage. Very good. But, you know, like you're not doomed if if Al Horford scores mm-hmm. 20 points on 16 shots, 17 shooting possessions. Um, but when, you know, Horford along with... Um, you know, Giannis, or sorry, Horford, along with the rest of the Celtics uh, around him, are able to, you know, just pretty much choke off everything Giannis was trying to do. Um, you know, it. Uh, I mean, that that was really the story. I mean, so many numbers you can pick out, but but Giannis, obviously, the the main story, still managed 22 points on 21 shots. Um, another bad free throw night, five out of 10. His struggles there continue. Um, Giannis's struggles also masking Eric Bledsoe. Uh, terrible. His, I don't know what what his his mental um, inability to play against the Boston Celtics continued. Six points on five shots. Brook Lopez hit one three early in the third. Otherwise, didn't score. Sterling Brown one three in the first half. Otherwise, didn't score. Those guys just. I mean, you know. I mean, Chris Middleton was by far the Bucks' best offensive player <laughs> among the starters. Yep. He hit five out of 12, 16 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. Uh, but 14 of those came in the first half. And I, I mean, I think he got a couple shots in the early stages of the third and then really kind of just kind of faded to the, to the background. So um, no shortage of, uh, of guys who struggled and, and probably a lot easier to, to talk about the guys who were good because there were just so few of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was exactly what I think if you're the Celtics, you, you kind of dreamt of pulling off in game one. And, um, you know, now, unfortunately, we're going to have to hear about, you know, that Horford is the honest stopper and the buck and the Celtics have figured it out, even though, you know, you would have thought that if this, if it was this easy, they would have done it a long time ago. <laughs> but, um, you know, this, this is the issue. You, you spent 82 games, you know, battling and all that consistency to get home court and now it's gone. One game, you know, you shit the bed and your home court is gone to a team that stumbled through much of the season. And, you know, just like that, it, it, it vanishes. And that's that's one of the challenges of the of the postseason is, you know, it's there's there are no large sample size in postseason, you know, in the postseason, right? It's best of seven. You have one bad game that can ultimately be what, what costs you your ability to advance. And, I mean, again, the good news is 
Still six games left if needed in this series. Bad news is now the Bucks need to win four out of six, and they no longer have home court. So uh, the gauntlet has been laid down for the Bucks uh, by the Celtics at this point. Yeah, it. I think it's a it's a really interesting kind of thought experiment because you know I was thinking back to um, Game Three, Bucks Knicks, and again this is maybe a strange spot to go, but you'll remember that that was the night that Giannis explained the math problem to yeah. me, and that was the night where you know uh, did they win? They did not win, um, but. As as I was kind of thinking about this game, you know, in many ways, like the Bucks were were trying to play the math problem, right? Like, all right, you're going to give up some mid rangers, but you know, we're we're still going to get all of our points in the paint, and we're going to hit all of our threes. And you know, really, from like the three point line, it wasn't the ways in which you would have expected it. Like, obviously, uh, Giannis going three of five, and uh, and then. I guess Miritich three of four and Middleton three of four. Uh, you know, maybe that isn't exactly the the best way to kind of distribute those threes. But you know, thirteen of thirty nine from three, like you can probably live with that. Like that, that's pro- that that's not like it's not a crazy like off night or anything. Like that's that's generally fine. But you look at the points in the paint, and the Bucks get twenty six, yeah. and they've lived in the paint the entire season. Like that, that is quite obviously their thing. And, you know, they're just so good at the rim and then you don't get that. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the Celtics have, I think 30 mid range points and, you know, you add 13 of 31, three points shooting to that. And all of a sudden you have a loss, but you know, like throughout the game, you know, I kept thinking like, you know, the, the shot profile that they're giving up like isn't terrible. There was like a bunch of uh, Horford shots that were like deep yeah. twos, and it was like, well, that's probably nice, right? Like that's that's a good, that's it's not a good shot. You don't want to give it to him open, but okay, you, you, you're gonna take some mid rangers. Like I think the the greatest fear going into it was thinking, okay, those are all gonna be threes, and he'll shoot 10, 11 threes on the night. And you know, just going through it, it's like, yeah, I, I think uh, I think going into this we talked about the pick and pop and we talked about the pick and pop and we talked about the pick and pop and we talked about it some more. And then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, that was pretty much it, right? (laughs) The bucks just got beat up on the pick and pop. And, uh, that, uh, I don't know if it was all that surprising, right? Like, uh, before we started recording, you kind of mentioned the fact that, you know, the, the Celtics, made their, I don't, I don't even know if it's adjustment. Like the Celtics played pretty much how they normally play and the Bucks decide to play how they pretty much normally play. And then in the end, they just got beat, right? Like the, the things that we thought they'd give up, they gave up and they got beat. They got beat pretty badly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 we talked earlier about, you know, how this is the hard part about being, the the team with home court is that you know especially after a long layoff like i mean it's a different dynamic right i mean these teams have been waiting around for a week basically um preparing and you know i think the bucks to no one's surprise i mean mike budenholzer i mean again like the big question mark with him has always been like will he be too slow to make adjustments and on the one hand i think you know like look when you're the best the better team and you're playing at home 
and you have Giannis, who's like generally like the kind of hardest guy to match up with, like it kind of makes sense that the ball would be in Brad Stevens' court to figure out like, well, what are you going to do about that, right? And they obviously made the adjustment, which surprised nobody that that Aaron Baines didn't start. Although to be honest, I still saw some people referencing the possibility of him starting, so I was a little surprised by that. Um, I, like in a vacuum, I, I think we talked about like Morris being maybe the obvious guy to throw in there. I wasn't sure if they were going to have Morris actually guard Giannis or put Horford on Giannis, but it obviously made sense to throw Horford on uh, on Giannis. Um, and the Bucks obviously did not make you know Mike Budenholzer didn't do anything different with Brook Lopez. Like, I mean. How many times have the Bucks looked to exploit Brook Lopez against smaller defenders? Like once in like one quarter against the Hornets in that home game where he went like mm-hmm. you know nuts uh, against smaller Hornets for like ten minutes. Um, yep. But you know again like the Bucks don't play that way and they don't adapt and they were just pretty much going to do what they do and um, the Celtics were able to get out and cut off Lopez. You know basically neutralize him offensively again. He's been a zero offensively really all year against the Celtics came in averaging five, didn't even manage that today. Uh, And that left Horford to, you know, kind of be able to um, play really physically with Giannis, you know, I mean, certainly like, look, can you pick out some fouls that maybe didn't get called? Sure. But um, you know, unfortunately this is the reality and, and they were able to kind of use Horford as that first line of defense and then have, kind of secondary guys sag off and Giannis, you know, wasn't finding kickouts. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, how much Giannis was just not confident in guys. Um, how much it was Giannis getting frustrated and just trying to force the issue. Um, but obviously, you know, he, I thought the Celtics did a really good job of, you know, Horford and even Baines. Um, they, they came out way further than I think we're used to seeing guys come out on Giannis of late. You know, it's been kind of a thing that, that these big guys in particular stand back and sort of force Giannis to drive. And I thought, you know, it was a good change up from them because they basically said, all right, Giannis, like we're not just going to give you a runway to, to get up to max speed to Euro step yeah. around us. You're going to have to drive on us, try to get around us. And then there's going to be second waves of guys. And, you know, you're going to, we're going to be easier to cut off or your counters are going to be easier to kind of, you know, see coming. And, and obviously that, that worked really well today. Um, for the Celtics. And so again, I mean, if it was just as easy as this, right? Like, you know, I mean, the Pacers thought they had figured out their plan when they kind of did some similar things against the Bucks uh, in that game earlier. It was in what, December or something when, when they really choked off Giannis, I mean, it was January. Um, and then the next game, it didn't work at all. Right. Um, and, and Giannis kind of went to yeah. town on them. So, you know, again, I, I mean, I would expect Giannis to be far, far better in game two and they'll make some adjustments, but um, you know, I think, using big guys, but using them to crowd him closer to the perimeter and then using those kind of secondary guys to, um, to again, just sort of like not show as much space to Giannis to move. I thought was important. And, you know, Giannis obviously um, wasn't able to create for other guys really particularly either. Like, I don't, I don't even think it was a situation where Giannis like had guys just missing shots left and right. I mean, certainly some guys missed open shots for sure. Um, I think, I think Lopez had an air ball off one play where Giannis like, through the mm-hmm. entire defense but for the most part you know um i think and again Giannis has really not been much of a playmaker in the first round either um we haven't really seen him kind of rack up big assist games that continued today i don't think he has he had more than four assists in a playoff game so far i'm not i'm not sure if he has um and again yeah, i must not think he has yeah and and obviously he was playing fewer minutes in, in round one and everything and you know in three of those games they couldn't really do much with him driving to the basket but um but yeah i think they're you know I mean, the spotlight is on Giannis in a way that hasn't been previously. He's going to win MVP. Um, 
He's got home court. His team's the best team in the league record-wise. And, you know, he failed in game one of this series. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, again, like, it's not for, like, um, a lack of effort or not trying, but, um, you know, he he fell down when when his team needed much more of him. And, um, you know, I think we know enough about Giannis to know that he'll respond and, in the way you'd like, but, um, you know, what does that mean, right? Um, I think Giannis kind of embodies this team and more broadly that this team has always bounced back, right? They've had one, one, yep. one back-to-back loss all season. They haven't lost two games to any team in the regular season other than the Phoenix, <laughs> Phoenix Suns, which is still so weird to say. Um, but, you know, if you can do that in the playoffs, you're going to, you're going to win a lot of series if you never lose twice to the same team. But unfortunately um, you got to play seven games uh, if you can make it that far. And uh, you know, Tuesday will be the ultimate test of this, what this team has done all year, right? Tuesday is going to be the ultimate test of whether this team can always bounce back the way they have, or um, you know, have they finally, have they finally kind of met their match and can they finally not, not rise to the occasion. And that goes for players as well as coaches, because, you got a week to prepare for a team and you lay an egg like this, like a lot of it's on coaching, easy to look at the box score and pick out players who didn't play up to, to their potential, but um, no shortage of blame to go around. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is in some ways a really interesting battle of, in uh, like a battle of will between the two coaches because Brad Stevens is very much the ultimate tinkerer. Um, like he's always, just kind of moving stuff around like, oh, we'll use this starting lineup or that starting lineup. And like, he, he does really go after all that stuff. And obviously they they kind of made an adjustment with with Morris tonight. And uh, uh, obviously the Bucks are going to have to you know see what they think about it. But it's going to be really interesting because I think going into the series, obviously I wrote about it at The Athletic and, you know, we talked about it and we kind of said like, Bud's, I don't know if he's going to do it for the entire series, but uh, to me, there wasn't much doubt that in game one, they were going to largely try to come out and be who they are. That in to start the series, there was going to be some thought that, hey, we're we're the 60-win team. We're the best team in the league. We're not going to change what we do. We are going to be us, and uh, we're going to try to do what we do. And that... You know, there's at least some possibility that that's good enough, and and they can just win, and that didn't happen. So now it is on them to to kind of make some adjustments. And I guess some of the the stuff that you know I kind of find interesting is with Giannis, and obviously uh, we can talk about some other stuff, but it all starts with Giannis. So uh, you know, we should we should try to talk about that a little bit. And uh, to me, I, I think. Some of the stuff that you really have to think about with with him is I was shocked how often tonight they really just kind of let him go one on one against Horford, whether that was you know attacking him off the dribble or trying to post him up or, or whatever it may have been. And I, to me, it, you obviously mentioned that Horford and Baines kind of pushed their defense out a little bit further, and I, I've talked about that during the Pistons series that, you know, you have to push that, that meeting point, that first meeting point for Giannis, you have to make him make his move around the free throw line, because then that means that's not going to end in a dunk. Like it's going to have to end in some sort of layup. And that at least gives you a chance. And they did a great job with that. 
And then, you know, I just thought, I don't, I don't want to say it was uninventive, but it did just feel like, you know, a lot of times it was pretty straightforward. Like, okay, Giannis is going to try to try to take it at these guys, which against the Detroit Pistons worked easily. Uh, you didn't have to draw anything up. You didn't have to try anything all that interesting because, you know, the Pistons didn't have anything for you. Uh, but uh, I just thought I, I was surprised at half. T- so the first play of the third quarter, they come out and run that set that they like so much with Middleton and Giannis in like a DHO um <clears throat> in a DHO, like pick and roll kind of situation. And I saw it and I thought, okay, we're going to see a lot more of that here in the second half. We're going to see them, you know, try to get Horford on the move a little bit, try to put uh, the Celtics in kind of compromising positions. And then it, it didn't really happen like that. And uh, there was a play I highlighted at, at the athletic where, and again, this is it, I would assume people will read it and think that, you know, this is too detailed or not something that you can think about on the run, but there was a play early in the game where the Bucks get it in. So they, they get a miss. Middleton grabs the rebound. Lopez was out contesting a shot. I think it was a Horford three. So Lopez runs down the floor. So he sprints to the right corner. That's where Brooke Lopez is. Giannis gets the ball in transition goes over to the left side, fakes a handoff with Bledsoe, and then what you have is Giannis on the left side with Marcus Morris on him, which should be a huge win. He's he's torched Marcus Morris for forever. So he's over there on the left side. Then you have Bledsoe on the left side with him because he had made the pseudo entry pass, which is really just a fake dribble handoff. Then you have Brooke Lopez in the right corner, Middleton on the right wing, Sterling Brown up near the top. And everyone's in the spots that they should be right. Like if you imagine the blue squares, all those guys are in, are in those spots. But the problem is Bledsoe's in the worst possible spot. And Brooke Lopez is in the worst possible spot. Bledsoe is right above, right above Giannis, which means Kyrie Irving can help all the way down. Cause Bledsoe is the worst shooter on the floor. And then Horford can leave Brooke Lopez from the left corner and help on the baseline. So even when Giannis isn't covered by Al Horford, Al Horford's waiting for him at the rim. And again, like everything looks pretty much right, but it ends up in, it was that really bad step back jumper that Giannis took early on. Uh, So that's the shot that it ends up in. And it's just a situation where all Bledsoe has to do is cut through. If he, if he cuts through and he, dislodges Lopez from the corner. Bledsoe's in the corner. Everyone moves up a spot, and then all of a sudden, Brooke Lopez is above the break, which means Al Horford is above the break. Kyrie Irving is now the help defender on the backside. And now all of a sudden, you have a spot where when Giannis goes baseline, he doesn't see Al Horford. He sees he sees a guard. And like it's, it's just little stuff like that. And again, I understand. Okay, so all this happened in transition. Like it, You shouldn't be able to think through all this stuff, but the rules should be pretty simple. Like Brooke Lopez, don't be in the corner. Cause if you're in the corner, that means Al Horford can be under the rim and Bledsoe, don't be above Giannis because if you're there, they can help as much as they want off of you. And it like, it, I just think there's little details like that, that I think the bucks will do better in game two, 
but it was just kind of in, in a, I don't know if it's stubbornness, cockiness, confidence, whatever you want to say. Like it just felt like a, a number of those things were just kind of you know we're just gonna we're just gonna do what we do, and you know we're gonna go and win. And it, it did feel like you know the Celtics had had kind of thought all this through. It was like, okay, like here's a spot we can exploit the Bucks. Here's a spot that we can exploit the Bucks. Like let's really take advantage of all these spots. If it felt like Giannis's night was kind of like in hindsight, kind of summarized by the fact that they ran that like perfect Middleton Giannis pick and roll to start the third quarter. Looked like Giannis was going to have an easy finish. Instead, they foul him, and then he misses both free throws. Like that kind of <laughs> felt like, you know, the summary of like, okay, that's what this night is going to be like. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like you think about what the Bucks, you know, do well, and especially given you know against a team that will switch, um, the fact that like Giannis was going up against the guys that the Celtics wanted him to go up against pretty much the entire game um, mm-hmm. is is a problem. I mean, right, like. I mean, they obviously did a really good job in transition, um, kind of just gang tackling and swarming. Um, and then in half court, obviously, it was pretty much always like Horford and Baines. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, Baines, um, I thought Baines did a surprisingly good job. I and mean, we're used to watching Baines get yammed on by Giannis, um, but he did a pretty nice job today. Uh, he twisted his ankle, which I know he he had an ankle injury previously. I don't know if it was the same ankle, um, but you know, that's kind of one of those things where I think he, I think I heard that he might've been able to come back, but you know, we know how these things go, right? Like a guy sprains an ankle, he kind of can fight through it. And then, you know, like with Giannis, right? He scores 52 points, scored 17 after turning his ankle and then he missed the next two games. So Baines will be interesting to see if he even plays in game two. Um, I don't know if anybody's commented on that yet, but um, you know, pretty much we always, pretty much Giannis was going against big bigs the entire game. And you know, it's it's interesting to to look at, you know, kind of these storylines of of kind of what went wrong. And um, I, yeah, I mean, it's just I think Stevens just a good job of like dictating the matchups and who is going to play who. Yep. And um, you know, I just think of like Miritich a couple times got switches and he was just begging for a post up against a smaller defender and Bucks could never get him the ball. Right? Giannis had that one. His, yep. his first basket came when he beat uh, the defense down the court, sealed uh, Hayward and got a pass over the top for a dunk. But that was really the the exception to the rule. Like generally speaking, the Bucks never really were able to take advantage of that. So really the, the battles were kind of fought on the Celtics terms. And, and again, like that's, you know, that, that's how you struggle offensively. You know, that's, that's one of those ingredients. Mm-hmm. And, and again, doesn't explain, you know, the Bucks having their, you know, arguably their worst offensive performance of the season. You know, I mean, when you, when you kind of, um, normalized that Miami game, which was, you know, the second game in 18 hours or whatever it was. And the Orlando game, which didn't even feature Giannis. I mean, this was to me, the worst performance offensively of the Bucks season and for it to happen after you've had a week to repair. I mean, it, it obviously speaks poorly of, like I said, everybody <laughs> pretty much, um, yep. you know, Miritich is like the one guy you can think of who you know, Miritich and, and Middleton came out and actually made shots and, and looked kind of ready to play. I thought George Hill had some nice moments, especially when they kind of had that comeback from the, when they were down 40 to 25. And there were kind of moments there where it felt like, you know, in that second quarter when they kind of came back and the crowd got into it, it felt like, okay, you know, maybe now this is when things start to turn, right. When Giannis got around, um, Baines for that dunk you know maybe this is when this game starts to turn um in the third quarter there early Lopez finally hits a three you think okay maybe this is finally turned um but but then it didn't right and and the the Bucks gave up you know like Morris had a dunk 
you know, they got some open threes. I mean, there were some really bad breakdowns, like some transition breakdowns. Like what was it? Hayward had a wide open three on the mm-hmm. left wing. I mean, just cause literally nobody got back. I mean, just, just some, you know, there, there is a lot of film that, that Mike Budenholzer and his staff are going to be able to look at and, and unfortunately um, offer, you know, uh, areas of improvement um, because they really kind of fell apart. And, and, you know, again, um, that wasn't just, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, just pick and pops cause Brooke Lopez is too slow. I mean, that really wasn't the, the kind of, yep. you know, dominating headline here of this game. Um, like you said, Boston's shot chart. I mean, they, they, they are a jump shooting team and they took a lot of jump shots in places. You probably are okay with them shooting jump shots from. Um, but you know, if you're the bucks, you shoot 36% on two pointers, you know, we talked about the Pistons and how bad they were. The Bucks were in the 50s and 60% range on two-point shots. Yeah, you shoot 36%. You're not going to win. You know, you can't win that way. And yeah. um, so I think it'll be interesting to see just kind of what the Bucks do to try to get, you know, those kind of like micro matchups in more, in more favorable terms. Um, it just felt like they were sort of like, I don't know, just there just did not seem to be good tempo. Um, and I don't just mean like fast breaks, but just – just urgency just didn't seem like it was just kind of like, all right, let's dribble up. All right. You know, swing the ball around the perimeter. All right. We'll set a screen at the top. You know, it just, it, it felt very like, all right, this is what we do. Like, okay, just do this, do this. Okay. Um, it just, I don't know. There just it didn't seem to have a ton of purpose. And it felt like the bucks kind of got into things slower. And then when the Celtics kind of had, you know, good defense at the point of attack, just stuff, didn't didn't ever develop the way you expected it to so um so yeah i, I mean it's you know we can i mean uh, i i'm curious uh, in terms of people listening to this you know it's probably a lot of people are probably not going to listen today because they don't want to read they want to read <laughs> that and then you know you those of you listening are probably the masochists who um you know just just want to learn and figure out like how do you how do you get better and you know probably are a little pissed off and want to hear us you know call out the people that that disappointed um so, yeah, I mean, again, no shortage of that. I mean, interesting. Let's talk, make, you, you might, you want to talk a little bit about the rotations here? Because we were talking about that a little before the show, or was there something else you want to do before that? Yeah, no, no, we can do that. And, uh, you know, it, it was a really challenging game for the Bucks, and hiring is challenging. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ziprecruiter.com slash Locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Man, I hope that no Bucks players are sending in their resumes after that performance because I don't know that ZipRecruiter would analyze it and spotlight any of them as the top candidates for a job after that. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash lockdown. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash lockdown. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Going into the series, uh, Bud had mentioned just the 
just the general idea that he wasn't planning on changing the rotations much. Uh, that you know, it, if he was if he was thinking about going nine or ten deep, he was going to go nine or ten deep, even though it was the playoffs. And you know, if you know they were going to try to push Giannis's minutes up, he, you know, it's probably going to stay about the same. And uh, that pretty much held true. Uh, and even even if the the Bucks in Celtics would have been a little bit closer by the end of the night, I think Giannis would have been at about thirty seven minutes. Middleton would have been at thirty seven, and uh, that would have been about as high as it goes. And I guess just kind of looking through all of this, I think you kind of have to ask some questions about who this series is for and who this series is not for, because. <laughs> Like I, I just like like you have your starting five, and then I think when you watch guys come off the bench, like you could you could feel George Hill. Yeah, like George Hill was covering Kyrie Irving. George Hill was aggressive, uh, and th- that's something I want to circle because the bug. It hasn't been often that I've really thought, man, the Bucks really miss Malcolm Brogdon. I couldn't help but think it throughout the entirety of of today's game because there were so many times where a ball would get kicked out and either a three would not be taken, a three would be missed, or a drive would be attempted, and it was just like, what are you doing? Sterling Brown had one where he dribbled all over the place, turned it over. He had another one where he pump faked a three and then decided to attack Al Horford. Um, and it was just like, what are you doing, man? Like that, that, that hasn't been how you've really found success uh, this entire season. And it, you know, it just felt like he was trying to do a, a little bit too much. And when George Hill was in, it was like, okay, George Hill just drove got a layup or George Hill just drove and got an assist. And it was just like, yeah, that, that actually makes sense. That looks right. That guy should play more. Like that, that is someone that, that should be in there when Nico Miritich came in. And again, that this had a lot to do with him hitting three threes today and in being pretty hot, but you know, that's, that's a good thing. Like that is, that is what you want. Uh, so like those two felt Felt very qualified. Felt very much like guys you'd want to see play. So that gets you to seven, and then you know I I think you got to figure out what else what else you're going to do there because I thought Pat Connington looked terrible in 24 minutes, uh, two of ten from the field, one of seven from three, and just watching him like we were talking about it before the podcast started, but you know there weren't there weren't those moments where you're like, Oh yeah. You know, he had two rear view contest blocks and uh, he was flying around. It was just like, Oh, he got blown. Oh, there's a Gordon Hayward blow by. Oh, there's another Gordon Hayward blow by. Uh, where's, where's Pat? What, what is he doing? And it, he just kind of seemed to be lost. And I, I think Ursan is probably finish. You know, he had, uh, he had that tip in the second quarter that kind of kept things alive a little bit. He was a part of that run. So I don't want to bury him quite yet, but you know, like I thought coming off the bench, it was pretty clear that that Miritich could, 
could handle his business and George Hill could handle his business. And then the rest of the way, I was like, eh, I'm not, I'm not so sure about this. And if that's the case, like you, I think you got to find a way to, you know, pro- maybe shorten up these rotations a little bit, bump some of these g- other guys up that, you know, are really up to the task and, and kind of see what you can do to, to get your good players on the floor a little bit more often. Yeah, I mean, basically, nine-man rotation and, and no surprises who who played, right? I mean, you, you always knew George Hill was going to play. You always knew Miritich, Eliasova would be the two big men that would be preferred off the bench. And then Connaughton, because he's obviously played a ton and played generally well for the last month or two, um, he was the, the, the other wing that, that played. Um, and, and absolutely, I mean, Sterling Brown and Connaughton, you can kind of lump them together, right? That those two guys have... Um, you know, played and above and kind of above their heads for for much of the period mm-hmm. here when Brogdon has been out, and I mean, part of the issue, especially with Sterling, might be that he kind of got to stretch his legs a little bit and you know make plays. And hey, I mean, I'm I'm happy that we've seen Sterling attacking the rim more, finishing more, using his left hand more. Um, but like, you know, this was a game where it was like kind of a reality check of like yeah like you're not that good <laughs> like yeah. you know like that that stuff like we don't need you for maybe that. maybe in the future but yeah. at this moment you're not right. that good and, and it's hard because it's like to say that on a night when Giannis like kind of stunk I mean it's like well somebody had to make plays right and so on the one hand like you know I appreciate somebody trying to do something but um you know Connaughton and Brown I mean you mentioned the Brown one Connaughton another one where he had to like drive and like put up a bad floater and he's one out of seven on threes i mean half of them i think missed missed the rim entirely like just bricked off the backboard which unfortunately something he's gone through stretches like that this season so yeah and and, i mean i think you could live with it if he was like the energy guy defensive playmaker guy didn't happen tonight i mean he was a negative defensively as well and um i mean this is where that snell injury really sucks right because like tony snell has barely played um and you know, Tony is also a guy who, in a game like this, I can see Tony Snell taking two shots, missing both, and being pretty much, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. MIA, right? I mean, that, that's been kind of the problem with Tony is he, he also sort of disappears. Now, I guess a guy going 0 for 2 would have been better than Pat Connaughton going 2 out of 10 in the <laughs> minus 21, 24 minutes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is such a test of, of what Bud is about because he he – you know, look at the team's success. He stuck with guys. And I don't know if he can afford to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, Connett in 24 minutes, I mean, with the way he was playing, that's rough, man. Like, you know, again, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look at you look at the Celtics, only one guy off the bench played double-digit minutes, and that was – or sorry, two guys, Hayward and, and Rozier. So, I mean, part of that was because uh, Baines got hurt. But um, – you know, effectively, they ended up basically going with a, you know, seven, eight man rotation. And the Bucks, you know, would have played Giannis and Milton more if not for the fact that they were getting their asses kicked late in the game. Um, but, you know, and again, like more Giannis wouldn't have helped because he was bad, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's tough, right? I mean, Ursan, uh, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, if, I mean, we've, we've been prefacing this for how long that, you know, Ursan is probably not going to be part of the solution. When the Bucks lose a series, assuming it happens, we're probably going to look back at Ursan and say, "Boy, Ursan really didn't uh, really didn't get, give you what you needed, especially defensively." Mm-hmm. Um, problem is, he's actually played well for the last like month or so. So it's, he's made it harder. To, you know, I mean, 
harder for us to make the argument, let alone Bud, who obviously trusts him. And, you know, yeah. DJ Wilson having a terrible game. What was it? Game four? I think he came in. Was it game yeah. four where he was really bad for like no, five was, minutes or three? Uh, I think it was three. One of those games. Um, like, you know, like one of his few like random chances to play, he looked really bad. So I was like, oh, come on, DJ. Like you got like any chance you have yeah. of being like the, the answer, um, especially given his mobility, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. So I, I don't know. I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, do you, do you see, uh, any real, um, like, do you see like any real rotation changes coming for game two? We know Malcolm Brogdon is not playing. Um, I mean, do, could you see any changes to the starting five or any movement in that rotation or do you think Bud does the Bud thing and just kind of runs it back and says, well, these are my guys, and so I expect a better effort, and I'll just you know, roll with that and see what happens? The one thing I'm somewhat curious about is Mirtich for Sterling Brown. Yeah. It, because obviously that's a starting lineup that they went with uh, originally before Mirtich got hurt. And again, that was only what three games before Miritich yeah. got hurt after Brogdon originally got hurt. Yeah. Brogdon, um, gets, I, Brogdon gets injured in the Miami game. They go down big and then Miritich literally starts the second half of that huge comeback. And, and he did then start a few more games after that. So yeah, we have history of, of bud for better or worse, liking that big lineup. So I do wonder if, if that would be a move that he would contemplate or if, you know, maybe it's just Miritich playing a bunch more. Um, you know, rather than 20 minutes. Like I think I'd be really interested to see if we are going to end up getting more Mirtich and Giannis as the two big lineups, just because I think obviously every time you see Mirtich with Giannis, like it's, it's kind of a good thing, right? Like you have someone a little bit more mobile than Brooke Lopez, even though he's not, I'm not trying to say Mirtich is a great defender or anything like that, but you know, he is more mobile, uh, you know, maybe you could do some more switching and then also you're still going to get that floor spacing. Um, so I wonder if, if you see a Mirtich bump, but ultimately I don't, I don't know that I imagine Bud really making, I don't want to say wholesale changes, but significant changes. Like I know we won't see wholesale changes, but I'm curious if there would be at least, you know, something more in there, but, Ultimately, you know, I I think you're going to count on Giannis not having the worst playoff game of his career. I, I think you're going to count on Bledsoe not is that, and again, I don't know Eric Bledsoe's like pre-Bucks history well enough, but I mean, Bledsoe had some stinkers last year. But maybe that's Bledsoe's worst game <laughs> as as a buck in the playoffs. Like it, that that was it was really bad, and I, I think you're, you're probably counting on a lot more of that. Like just not having a thirty five percent shooting night from the field, and kind of counting on some regression to the mean to be better than you were in in, in game one. At, at least that's kind of how I see it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean. That was the only change I could see Bud doing. And again, I'm not saying that that's the the only real option that could make sense. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what, I, I don't know kind of like with Lopez. I mean, the irony is Lopez is the only buck with a positive plus minus in this game, which, you know, is hilarious given we spent all this time worrying about, you know, 
Horford playing him off the floor, and then it ended up being that Giannis was played off the floor by by Horford. <laughs> um, and obviously, not in the sense that Giannis was getting benched because of it, but um, you know, Giannis. I mean, he they were minus twenty four. I mean, it was a game worse minus twenty four with him on the bench. I mean, they they outscored the um, the Celtics by two in the fourteen minutes he was on the bench. I mean, it, it felt. It felt a lot of ways like that game three against Detroit. Like they just somehow like Giannis just couldn't get anything going, and it's just the offense, the whole the whole offense just kind of got derailed by Giannis not having any rhythm when he was on the floor. Yeah. Um, and and obviously, I mean, it's a it's a killer because he's you know he's going to win MVP, and for him to to not be able to deliver is, is tough. So yeah, I mean, I think you like how crazy was that? There was legitimately people that were like, you know. Offense looked a whole lot better when Giannis was off the floor. Like what? That that was that actually uh, kind of felt true. Yeah. Like that that well, second that second quarter, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, maybe the offense does work a little well, bit. Well, when he misses all his shots, you know, I mean, that's the thing, right? <laughs> I suppose, it's yeah. like you know, because he's, um, you know, if if the guy who takes all the shots is missing all the shots, <laughs> you know, and and the yeah. fact that he wasn't creating for guys, um, it's it's tough. I mean. I, it's interesting. They only had two turnovers, right? Like this felt like the kind of game where he could have had like five or six turnovers and, you know, maybe fewer shots, but he just, you know, cause he gets swarmed the way he did. Um, so only two turnovers and only one foul, right? Like, I mean, they didn't draw any charges. Um, they were really focused on, uh, on trying to kind of, you know, hack and, and, uh, and, and play the ball, I guess a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I mean, obviously whatever, I mean, again, like nobody's saying that like all the bucks are, better off without Giannis but again like after the fact like you just do the accounting right I mean he, he obviously just couldn't make shots so it, it was a struggle and that that makes it all the more wild that he you know hits three out of his first four threes I mean that was just kind of crazy and um you know it felt like I mean it's kind of interesting we haven't really talked about kind of like the swings in the game but um it, I mean it was strange that this game was so competitive for you know more than two quarters and then even in the early in the fourth quarter um you know, the Bucks at least were kind of, they, they were down 17 to start the fourth. Um, Giannis makes a three, um, and then Giannis gets a dunk. Giannis uh, gets a, uh, hits another three eventually. Um, it's 92-80. Um, Lopez blocked Tatum, but then Celtics got the rebound and, and get free throws. And But, you know, so Celtics, the Bucks get within 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 12, but it felt like early in that fourth, the Bucks had some bad offensive possessions and left some points on the floor. And that was really, like, kind of the last last hurrah, you know? Like, uh, I mean, they were obviously down double digits at that point anyway, but um, it, it was just kind of fitting that even when their defense got them some stops that, you know, ultimately they just they just couldn't do anything, right? Like, they just offensively just couldn't get good position possessions. And especially with Giannis, I mean, if Giannis misses layups or misses short shots or ends up on the floor and doesn't get a foul call, I mean, it's it's a double whammy because he's obviously didn't score. Yep. And then he's your, you know, ultimate, you know, sort of transition um, defense mechanism, and he's not back. And, you know, they're just extra vulnerable at that point as well. Um and, and again, like the Celtics just got started getting a bunch of easy shots at that point. And the Bucks really, I mean, second half of that third quarter and, and uh, you know, then like after that first kind of initial stand in the fourth quarter, I mean, the Bucks had just a lot of really bad mistakes, right? I mean, defensively, they just they just got picked apart um, and, and just mental mistakes. And, you know, again, I 
just tough to watch, you know, from everything we've seen um, of this team this year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what else we can say about this. God, we have to talk about this game again tomorrow. Eric, are you serious? <laughs> I suppose so, Frank. I suppose so. Bucks lose one twelve to ninety to the Boston Celtics. A reminder couple great sponsors of today's podcast first we have himalaya to get this show every day subscribe to lockdown bucks on the new himalaya podcast app and an ever expanding podcast world you need himalaya with our personally curated playlist and new features every day download himalaya at your app store and subscribe to lockdown bucks remember you can subscribe to the show on the new himalaya podcast app as well as apple podcast google podcast and spotify and when you get in your car tell your smart device to play podcast locked on bucks also Zip Recruiter, shout out to them. New sponsor, happy to have them. Well, I shouldn't say new, but new live read for me to read. Uh, Zip Recruiter has been with the Lockdown Network for a long time. And right now, our listeners can try Zip Recruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash lockdown. That's ziprecruiter.com slash L O C K E D O N, ziprecruiter.com slash lockdown. Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Frank, let's rest up. Let's uh, let's figure out uh, how we're going to go out and execute this podcast a little bit better I'm, tomorrow. We're going to we're going to get another chance to do I, so. I, I, um, I feel, I feel, so, really, I feel really bad for you that you don't watch Game of Thrones and you are employed in with the job of having to write about this game because and I got to say, <laughs> like being able to just shut down the rest of the day and focus on Game of Thrones coming on tonight. Um was a really nice escape before I had to come back and talk to you, which obviously was uh, going to put me to bed and in kind of a foul mood. But anyway, what's not, it's not you, Eric, it's not you, it's the box, but so it goes. <laughs> all right. Bucks lose game one, one twelve to 90. They will see if they can get game two on Tuesday. We will talk to you tomorrow, which will be Tuesday morning. And we look forward to it. For Frank Mann, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.